Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everyone. This is Shep Hyken back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I'm very excited, as always, to bring you another amazing interview. And if you're listening to this episode as it airs, this is basically the Happy New Year episode. We have a very special interview by uh, a friend of mine, Skip Pritchard, who wrote an amazing book. We're going to take a little bit of a departure from the traditional customer service interviews that we have, although it will tie into customer service, but really, it's a great New Year's kickoff show. Before we go any further, I want to thank our friends at Salesforce, who are sponsors. If you'd like to learn more about what they have to offer, go to our show notes at uh, www.amazingbusinessradio.com and click on the Salesforce link. And now, as we've started to do, and we've had great success with this, people have been commenting that they really enjoy this part of the show, we're going to do a short Ask Shep. So it's time to Ask Shep. (laughs) It's time for you to be heard. And this is what I do. I answer the questions that you have. All you need to do to submit your questions is to go to Twitter and just tweet out your question and be sure to include my handle, which is at Hyken. Also, the hashtag Ask Shep. All one word. Hashtag Ask Shep. So our question this week is, and I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit, with all of the technology that has come available in the customer service world, what's really changed in customer service? So great question. And here's what I tell my clients and friends and colleagues who ask me, hey, what are the big changes happening in customer service? And I tell them, absolutely nothing has changed. A customer has a question or a problem and they want it answered or resolved. And at the end of the experience, they want to walk away fulfilled. They want to walk away happy. They want to walk away knowing that whatever their issue or their question was, that it's been taken care of. That has not changed. Now, what has changed is what's in the middle. But the beginning and the end, what causes the issue and makes somebody want to call or or talk to a customer service rep, or call up a company, that hasn't changed. And the end result, that hasn't changed. But the middle, oh my, have things changed. Artificial intelligence is changing the way customer service is delivered through chat box, through uh, interactive voice response systems. Oh, there's all types of software that allows uh, customer service reps who are in a call center or support center to be able to see the total picture of a customer and understand more about that customer and give a better solution. So here is what I, I want to say. Oh, and one other thing, one other big point before I get into what I want to say is that the self-service solutions are becoming more and more popular. Uh, people want to take control. They want to get answers quickly. And when a company teaches the customer where to go to get those answers, they go there first before calling up the company or emailing or trying to get on a chat bot with the company because they know that they can get answers quickly. So let's talk about what's really important here. And this is the point I want to make. 
with all this technology, it's very easy for a company to get caught up in all of it. It's very easy for them to become enamored with something that really looks to be super cool. But the reality of it is that technology may detract from the relationship that you have with your customer. Yes, you want your relationship uh, that they have with you to be one that seems connected, uh, if not even emotional, if that's possible, if you can create an emotional engagement. Uh, and that typically happens with human-to-human interactivity. But if you can give somebody a convenient and frictionless and easy-to-do-business-with uh, customer experience, they'll love you for that. And here's the point. There needs to be a balance. There needs to be an easy way for that customer to connect with a human. Uh, let's just take a look at one of my favorite companies, and I've talked about them for years, and they're almost a cliche when it comes to great customer service, and that's not a bad thing, and that's Zappos.com. Zappos is an online retailer, but on every single page of their website, there is a phone number for you to call and connect if you've got a question or a problem. And at one point, I read that as many as 20% of their customers will actually call, even though they're an online company. And they staff their support center accordingly to make sure the customer has a phenomenal experience when they move from that digital website to the interaction with the human being. So my point is there needs to be balance between the human and the digital play or the technology play. So it's very easy to give a customer a good technology experience, but when they need the human, they need to be able to call. And by the way, you can go the other direction. For example, and I may have talked about this in a past Amazing Business Radio episode, but let's say that you have a great self-service solution. Maybe it's videos on a YouTube channel or even on your website. And the beauty of a video is that it really showcases exactly how to take care of an issue. Maybe it's a step-by-step process. So if your customer is having problems understanding that they need to be able to connect with a human. But imagine if they first call somebody at your support center or anybody in your company and they're asking how to do something and you show concern, empathy, you make the customer feel good that they called and then you make the suggestion, hey, you know, we've got an amazing video that will answer the exact question that you're talking about uh, or, the, or, or give you a step-by-step playbook on exactly what you need to do. Let me email you the link to that and that's really going to be helpful and if you have any other questions of course you can call me back but I think this is going to do the job and what you've just done is you just just have gone from human to the digital or technology play so it's going both directions it, it, it the point is we're giving the customer the best experience that they need to have to want to continue to work and do business with you so really from the standpoint of customer has a problem customer wants it resolved and they want to be happy that hasn't changed what has changed is what's happened in the middle with that in mind we are now going to move into our interview we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk with skip pritchard about his new book and you're going to love what he has to share This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the Shepherd Letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. 
You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you an amazing interview, and I will not let you down today. Skip Pritchard is an amazing and accomplished CEO. Uh, several companies he's run in the billions of dollars. Growth-oriented business leader, a keynote speaker, and just an all-around great guy. Skip, you've just written a book called The Book of Secrets, and while it's been out for a little while, they're releasing the softbound version within the next week. So I thought, what a great way to kick off the new year than to have Skip Pritchard talk about The Book of Mistakes. Skip, how are you? I'm doing very well, and it is great to talk with you always. I'm always energized whenever I hear anything that you put out or read your Well, You're the book, so amazing. You're very nice to say that. That, Yeah, the chief amazement officer, and that's why we have amazing business radio, and, and amazing is what it should be all about. So I love this book, The Book of Mistakes, Nine Secrets to Creating a Successful Future. And as we round into the new year, and if you're listening to this, the week it's coming out, it is the new year. And uh, just next week, the paperback version of this book is coming out. You can get it in any retailer or Amazon.com or even other parts of the world. Because, Skip, you were telling me before we jumped on the interview, it's coming out in how many different languages now? I don't know. I've been getting these notes. I just saw the cover in Korea, in Mexico. It's coming out in Arabic, in Turkey. It's coming out in uh, Korea, uh, China, Japan. I mean, it, it just a new country every day I open my email. So it's very exciting. And it's great to see the interpretation of the cover as it appears in different parts of the world. I can imagine. So before we get into the book, quick little background, Skip. Give us, give us a little bit about who you are. Well, I am a CEO, as you mentioned, of a company in Columbus, Ohio. We're a global company serving libraries called OCLC. Before that, I was the CEO of Ingram, which is based in Nashville, the largest book wholesaler, and before that, ProQuest. So I've been a CEO, and uh, really, but I just think of myself as someone who learns. That's really what I do. I learn from all kinds of things, things I read, people I meet, and how do I encapsulate that and share and, and pay it forward? I love that. And I'll also tell you, you also know how to put pick good restaurants. <laughs> and I can't wait to come back to Columbus, Ohio, to have another great meal with you. So the book of mistakes, nine secrets to creating a successful future. Um, why did you write the book? And, and tell us a little bit about it. Well, I wrote the book for people who are in transition. People are at an inflection point, whatever they're doing, and they want to have a a better future. They want to change the course of where they're headed. They're at a transition point in their life and they're just searching for something better to be more successful. And I was thinking about um, writing these concepts. I've interviewed over a thousand people. I've met with people, you know, world leaders, politicians, sports legends, you name it. And there's some common things that I kept learning. I was learning about these success principles and mistakes that people would make and learning from their mistakes and, and teaching these mistakes because it's always easier to learn from other people's mistakes than having to make them yourself. Uh, I think is a good philosophy, uh, whether that's in uh, companies, whether that's in individuals lives. And so um, I really wrote it targeting people who, we're at those decision points and wanted to, to have a great future, have an amazing future, do things a little differently than they had uh, in the past. 
Well, what I love about this is so many books, and my some of my books included, are here's things to do. Here's the right thing to do. Here's the best way to do this. And this is here's what you shouldn't do. You know, and so it's like it's the opposite. And and I want to tell everybody that this is not the type of book where, you know, sure, there's nine there's more than nine chapters, but there's nine chapters devoted to each of these nine mistakes. But rather than just saying, here's the mistake, here's how to uh, you know deal with it, how to avoid it and, and what to do instead of it. This is actually written like a novel. And I love the detail. And uh, one of the things, and I'll let our listeners know, I asked Skip straight out, man, this was well-written. It's like the, the, the detail behind it. It's like uh, an amazing author of a novel wrote this. So, Skip, did you have help? And his response was, I'll answer for him in this interview. I'll interview him myself answering for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but I said, Skip, did you, you know? And he and this is what Skip told me: every single word that was written was written by him, and it's a story. So, give us a little background on you know why you wrote it as a story, and and let's get into the story. Let's talk a little bit about what it's about, and and give a few of the nine mistakes. So at least we give them a taste of what's happening in this book. Sure. Well, I, I wrote it as a story because. And really, I broke a lot of the rules. You know, I come from a long history of publishing, so I know the publishing rules. I know publishers. I know what works. I know how to write leadership books. And yet, I, I broke the rules. Uh, the book of mistakes. You know, you don't usually have a negative word in a title. I say don't do that. And you don't write it as a story if you're trying to get nonfiction ideas across. And all the rules that I broke uh, were were broken for a reason. And the story is written that way because it appeals to the next generation, especially it appeals to someone who wants to, to read a story and learn in a different way or not even realize they're learning, but also Stanford uh, marketing professor, Jennifer Aker, she says stories are remembered 22 times more than facts. And you even look at studies of the brain. Um, I interviewed Paul Zach. He's the director of the center for neuroeconomic studies. And he was saying, a story increases your oxytocin production, and that makes you more empathetic. It helps you learn from the storyteller in a different way. And so storytelling, of course, has been around since time began. Uh, Richard Branson always says um, the art of storytelling can be used to drive change. It, it's change in us. I mean, that we, we just accept things, I think, a little better in story format. So that's why I wrote it that way to pull you in and um, hopefully entertain you a little bit as you're learning so that uh, it's different. And, and I wanted it to be different. I just, I just wanted to make a, a book that would stand on its own and, and, and pull you in. And it's, it's funny. I, I have some people who just read it as a novel, and that's primarily how they come into it, uh, which, which is great. Well, I, I think if everybody's listening, even without talking about any of the mistakes, there's a huge lesson here. The concept of story. If you are trying to um, put a point across in your next business presentation, if you put a stat or a fact up on your PowerPoint presentation, if you can back it up with an example, 
which is a story, then your you know audience, whether it be your boss or colleagues at work, or if you're in front of a large audience uh, talking to them, they're going to be taken in. They're going to remember it. And uh, I know, I, I don't know if you've ever seen me speak, Skip, but I tell this story I've told for years, and I keep wanting to not tell it anymore. But people keep saying, will you please tell that taxi cab driver story? And the reason is it's a vivid story uh, about a cab driver who just was absolutely amazing. Didn't look like he would be. And people remember it years later. And, you know, as you and I got into this, and I was telling you as I was reading the book, uh, we were talking about a couple of the different characters in the book. Um, you you know, you told me I picked up on something that a lot of people didn't. Anyway, I love it. Uh, let's get into it. So um, I know that we've got, gosh, quite a few uh, we've got nine points that we want to make. We can't go through all nine of them, but let's do this. Before we take a break, let's just do one, then we'll come back and do two or three more. Sure, and I, I will echo what you're saying about story, and of course I have heard you tell that story, which is so compelling. And whenever I think, you know, I'm running large companies, I'm always focused on the story we're telling. What is that story? And are we – that that drama is what pulls people in. And that's why you use customer testimonials. It's stories of people interacting with your service, your product, your business, and it, it pulls people in. If you think about these nine mistakes, I could, I could take them uh, randomly. Uh, one of those mistakes, I'll use mistake three, is accepting excuses. And, and so often, especially early in the year – Right. We, we think about the excuses. Oh, I have a, a goal to to go work out. And then, well, I wanted to sleep in the weather, et cetera. We accept excuses too often. I was thinking about this when I interviewed Rich Gaspari, former Mr. Universe. Uh, he wrote a book called No Excuses. And he said, I'm going to be in the shape that I was in or better decades after appearing on the cover of, of, of a magazine, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get myself into that shape. And he did it with this mentality of no excuses. And I was thinking about excuses we have at work in running our businesses. We accept other people's excuses. We, we may accept this, this, our own story. That's a negative story. And we need to reinvent the narrative for ourselves and reinvent that story. Excuses can really pull us down. If we shift the energy and creativity from creating an excuse to achieving the goal, it's really cr critical to, to our success. Uh, one of the things I say in the book is guard your inner voice, guard your inner microphone as if it's your most precious treasure. The most important microphone in the world is not the one sitting in front of me right now talking to you. It's the microphone in our mind. And we cannot accept excuses if we are going to succeed. And that's an excuse for my individual goals, maybe my New Year's resolution. But it's also excuses at work. It's excuses in our business. We don't want to accept those excuses. We want to continue to drive for amazing. And that drive is what the most successful people have. They don't accept excuses. They, they look at an excuse as a way of saying, how do I get better What's the way around this? How do I keep going toward my goal? I don't let it stop me. Right. And one of the uh, comments you make in the book is to avoid people who encourage 
excuses. In other words, you've been around somebody. I know it. And I, I go, man, you know, things are always happening with that person that aren't good. They're always late. They're, they always miss a deadline. And you know what? They always have a crazy excuse. And you know something? It, when I say crazy, that's another word for an exp- expletive that I can't say on the air. So, but that's really what it is. It's like, why do they, I wish they would just quit making excuses and accept responsibility or even better yet, work to avoid having to make the excuse in the first place. Oh my goodness. Some people are so good at it, Shep, that (laughs) I'm swept in. I I remember I I took over one team, the executive team. They were so amazingly good at blaming the other executive who wasn't in the room that I would be swept in and I said, wow, you're really, really good. And the next one, you're really, really good. And I said, let's get together because the two of you are so genius at making the excuse by shifting the blame to someone else. I want you to get together and, and use that creativity to move us forward instead of uh, ripping someone else down. I mean, it was hilarious, but, but some people are so talented, but they, they don't see it and they think, that's not me. I'm not like that, but, but it is true. And, and we just can't accept excuses. It's, um, it, it's inevitably, we all have them, right? I mean, it, it doesn't and matter. Sometimes the there's a reason. Itself. Sometimes there is a reasonable excuse, you know, Hey, you can, you, there's things you don't have control over. Uh, that's why in a contract, there's something called force majeure. It could be a terrorist attack. It could be a, a, a snowstorm that completely blocks out, you know, uh, the city from doing any business. So there are excuses that are valid, but I think the point you're trying to make is, is obvious excuses, you know, try to avoid them. And by the way, there's in, there's environments that you can be in where everybody seems to be making excuses, which makes uh, the excuse for the failure that they have. And it, that's all it is, in a, is an excuse. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to cover two or three more of these nine mistakes and give you a reason to want to jump off this show and go straight to the computer and go to Amazon.com or stop by your local bookstore and check out this book, The Book of Mistakes. I say check out. That's a library term. That's, that's what you – no, buy the book, The Book of Mistakes, Nine Secrets to Creating a Successful Future by Skip Pritchard. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Skip Pritchard. Skip, uh, before I get into any of these other nine mistakes with you, talk about David. And uh, I, I pronounce the girl's name Aria. I assume that's how you say it. Uh, but who are David and Aria in the book? That's right. Well, David is a young man who is uh, disheartened. He has a stressful life. He's uh, thought that his dreams would come true after getting his job. And he thought, well, you know, I'm well on my way. And then all of a sudden he realizes he's stuck in a cube. Life isn't what he thought. He's having trouble uh, meeting his bills. 
And everything changes when this mysterious young woman enters his life. He runs into her in a park. These papers go flying. And the next thing you know, he's on a journey to meet these teachers of this ancient book called the Book of Mistakes. The book flashes back hundreds of years to a character named Arya. Arya is a young woman who is also on a parallel journey learning these mistakes and their their lives kind of intersect. It is this idea that this ancient book called the Book of Mistakes has been passed down from one generation to the next, from the most successful people to the next most successful group of people. Yep. And this book has been hidden. And it's wisdom. If only you could get this book and learn the nine mistakes, you would have success much earlier in life instead of learning these mistakes throughout your life and only being able to realize what they are when it's too late to make a difference. You know, as I read this book, I saw a lot of myself uh, going, wow, I I, one of the reasons I think I started as an entrepreneur so young is I didn't want to work under anybody's shadow. Um, and, and like you, the number one mistake is working on on someone someone else's dream. And I had my own dream. I had my own uh, set of, of uh, I guess, guidelines that I created for myself. And by the way, they aside from my past being you know an entrepreneur from the time I was 12 years old doing birthday party magic shows, I did go to work for my family's business. Now that wasn't my dream. That was my grandpa's dream, my mom's dream. And then one day, like just not even five months out of college, they sold the company. Now I'm not working under anybody's dream at that point. And I'm going <laughs> if if they if my own family business could do that to me. I'm not going to go to work for someone else. And uh, so I, I actually, as I was reading, and there were some other things throughout the book, I'm going, that's me, that's me, that's me. All right, let's jump into, uh, hopefully people are now intrigued by who this David and Arya character are. But let's jump into a couple more of these great mistakes. So give us another one of your favorites. Well, you touched on the first one, working on someone else's dream. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be an entrepreneur, though that might be it. But what is your dream? And am I alive in my purpose? Am I doing what gives me energy? Or am I stuck somewhere where it's draining away from me? Your purpose is completely unique to you. And how do you design your life to fulfill that purpose? If you have a very clear purpose, I say in the book, it attracts people, ideas, and resources to its cause. The, the important part is have a really focused dream and purpose. I think that's very important for you as an individual. I think it's really important for you if you're an entrepreneur, for a business owner. It's important if you're a leader in a company. It's important if you, if you have a department. What is your group's goal? What is your dream? What, what are you passionate about? Uh, if you really think about that identity, it will make a difference in who you are. You know, it's, if you're working in a l large company, you can't just say, oh, it's the large company mission statement. I'll just, you know, whatever the plaque is on the wall. What's real to you? The, the clearer it is real to you and your team, the, the more fulfilled you'll be at what you do, the more energy you'll have. And so I find brands and individuals do much better when they're working on their own dream and their own plan in their unique way. Right. And, and just to emphasize a point, yes, I'm an entrepreneur and I chose to take this path myself. 
However, um, if you take a look, I did some research for one of my past books, The Amazement Revolution, and interviewed some people over at Google. And one of the things that's really cool is they allow their engineers to work on projects of their choices and what they want to do and what they love doing and maybe even come up with really different uh, ideas and start things on their own. And they're allowed to take a percentage of their time and do that. And what I did in my little tiny business is I thought, I need to find out what my employee's favorite thing to do is in business. And so, for example, Stephanie in her office, whose title, by the way, is manager of many things, her favorite thing (laughs) of all time is to do video. Well, we did a little bit of video, but I said, well, if that's what she wants to do, let me make that part of her job. And I would say that maybe five hours a week of her job, she's working on video. Now she spreads it out, so she does a little bit every day. But every day, she gets to do something that she loves to do. That's her dream. And she even says, I love this job. And one of the reasons is I get to do what I like to do. (laughs) Now, she's going to listen to this and go, oh, I better go in there and talk to her about a raise. No. (laughs) Shep, Shep, I'll echo what you're saying. The very first team I managed, we were last place in the country. And I became the manager. I was so proud of myself. And then I realized nobody else wanted the job. But we were last place in the country, and I went around to each person, and I said, what, just what you just said, what do you like to do? What gives you energy? And we moved everybody. I said, well, instead of just doing your role, you're now going to do that. I, go- I love golfing, whatever. I'm like, you're now our, our golfer. You're going to do this with the technology partners. Somebody else said, I, I like analytics. Anyway, we moved people to do what they love to do across the whole team instead of just their individual territory. And the success was amazing. We became the number one team in the country that year. And it was repeated the following year because people were working on what gave them passion, what gave them energy. And it really does work. It works in a company. It works as an individual. It works on your own goal. Um, so it's, it's a really powerful, uh, which a really powerful principle and, and mistake. Um, I'll go to a, another one. Great. Um, that was what I wanted another you to do mis- next, is go to another mistake. Okay. We have time for one more. Perfect. This is perfect. Well, another one is allowing someone else to define your value. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I talk in the book, you know, mistake we say, well, two. how much? Yeah, mistake number two is, how much is uh, a nickel worth? And you say, well, five cents, of course. I love this analogy. I actually underline this. This is a great one. <laughs> so, yeah, a nickel's worth five cents. Go ahead. If you get an underline from Chef, you are in good shape. That's my philosophy. I, I, I tell you, it, it cost us 10 cents in the United States to make a nickel. It cost over two cents to make a penny. And yet, why is it worth only five cents if it costs 10 cents to make? Because we stamp five cents on it. That's the value. We, we cannot allow other people to define our value. Other people will put limitations on you. They'll say, you're not a great speaker, or why do you think you should be in sales, or et cetera, et cetera. And we let these early labels that people slap on us define our value and define our future. Well, the most successful people do not allow other people and other voices to define their value. It works in individuals. It works in companies. The company that will that defines your value negatively. If you allow that to happen, they define you in the customer's mind negatively, then they have, they win. Uh, You you see this really big time in, uh, in commercials with Apple and IBM early on in the, the PC wars where they would say, um, think 
we're known as think, and then a- Apple comes out think different. And they're defining themselves, but they're also defining the competition. Very, very careful of how you're defining yourself and how you're defining the competition. The people who win do not accept limitations and value that are that is placed on them. It's very important to uh, to bypass this. Yeah, so that's an important one. And, I mean, you can get an idea that these are the kinds of things you need to be thinking about if you want to move yourself personally forward. All right, I always ask this at the end of every interview, and that is the one thing question. Is there one thing that you want to share with us that absolutely I want to make sure that our listeners hear this or something you want to emphasize, reiterate, what would that one thing be? Before you even think about the nine mistakes or the principles of success, before you think about customer experience or any kind of change, I start the book this way. You have to think about readiness. When are you ready to embark on that journey? When am I ready to go as a team? And readiness is when your desire is greater than your distraction. It's a new year. You got to think about this equation in two, two parts. What is your desire? And make that big. Why do I want this? I'm really going to envision this. You know, if I'm trying to lose weight at the beginning of the year, why? What am I going to look like? What, what is in it for me? My health, whatever it is, fit into my clothes again. And what are the distractions and how do I minimize them? If I'm at work and I have a goal, right? Readiness is when your desire is greater than your distraction. If you're not ready, then you should not start the journey. And so, so many times type A personalities, we get into things, we want to see action. We just start going. And yet we haven't prepared for that journey. So we have to think about readiness. Readiness is when your desire is greater than your distraction. If you're not there, then you're not ready to start. Wow. That, that's amazing. And what a great way to end our show, but a great way to start the year. We've been talking with Skip Pritchard, CEO, professional speaker, keynote speaker, and amazing author of the Book of Mistakes, Nine Secrets to Creating a Successful Future. Skip, thanks for being on the show. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you, our friendship. Uh, so much appreciate you being here. Thanks, Chef. I learn from you every time. So I don't know how you write so many books, but keep keep writing. Well, thank you very much. And Happy New Year to you, Skip, and Happy New Year to everybody listening. Until next week, we're going to have another amazing interview next week. But until then, remember, Chef Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.